One used to be more than once in atheist If separation of church and prostate isn't what you think is best They're here to guide your way Cause talking about sex can be scary They're just two gals whose kink is being your missionaries Good afternoon, brothers and sisters Sup, sluts Welcome to the Missionary Podcast I'm Sadie I'm Maddie And this is our mission well, we're recording. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I was waiting for an apology. <laughs> and I forgive you. Maddie, what are we talking about today? We're talking about some fun stuff. And by fun stuff, <laughs> I mean drugs. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we all know... Sex, drugs, and I would say Rocky, Rocky Road. Road. Yeah, <laughs> um, and we all know that there's. Some... Is it embarrassing that we like premeditated that we had already no, thought no. like sex, drugs, and oh Rocky Road. No, no. So I'll say I'm gonna say that again. We all know mm-hmm. sex, drugs. Mm, wait, um, wait. I have an idea. Rocky Road, because it's like a Mormon podcast. That's so. Good. <laughs> I just came up with Wait, it. That's so good. <laughs> I for the for the listeners, something I've learned through knowing Sadie is that Mormons love dessert. Yeah, because oh, yeah. actually because of the drug absence and yeah. the lack of alcohol and all that stuff, it's you and just replacing. Well, caffeine's well, still around. We'll get into that. But yeah, specific. it's the dessert really is king. You just have, instead of like in college, people think this is so silly, but I did not think it's that weird and kind of still don't think it's that weird. <laughs> but instead of like, I don't even know the alternative, like a frat party or like someplace you'd go to like pregame, instead of like pregaming somewhere with alcohol, you'd go to a, dis- we'd have dessert parties. That was like a regular thing. So like everyone would bring like a different cookie or like a brownie or well, a bar. The thing is that sounds delightful. It is. But I also would But it's love... very, we're, it's a bunch of sober, almost adults mm-hmm. just going to town on some Sundays. And here's the thing. I'm all about not having an alcoholic bevy, but I do love a Bailey's moment. I mm. love, I love a dessert alcohol mm. This is a fun topic that I'm really excited to hear the the Mormon stuff about it because from what I understand, there's a lot of nuance to the rules. Yes. Yes. The rules are, I actually just looked them up in my quad again. So the official rules. Oh, I need you to define quad. My quad, that's what, uh, like shorthand for your scriptures. So Mormons have, because it's not, it's the Old Testament, New Testament, King James Version, and then you have the Book of Mormon, and the Pearl of Great Price, which is a Mormons-only kind of Joseph Smith revelation compilation. So, a revelation compilation? Yes. That's so It's hot. a sensation. <laughs> <laughs> it's a doctrinal sensation. <laughs> oh, no. We're too giddy. Incredible. So the quad is those four books put together. So I just looked up the section where they talk about the food and drink rules again referred to in mormonism as the word of wisdom i think i've referenced it before the word of wisdom just for the food and drink rules 
Yeah, it's like a it's like a health guideline. Mm-hmm. But the word of wisdom itself is just vague enough and just specific enough. <laughs> so there's words that are very specific. You're referencing barley specifically. But then you say things like strong drink, which could mean a variety of things. You know? Orange so, juice can be very strong. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's uh very the actual rules are not the same as uh, what's practiced, and that's where you kind of get like the adapted revelation which would come from other prophets other presidents of the church that would kind of add their well it includes heroin right then there's a lot of just modern day interpretation things like monster energy drinks didn't exist back then and they are quite allowed so you can do a lot of monster so you can do monster do. it's a drug <laughs> well you can see it is, it I, is, don't, yeah, it is. I don't touch the stuff no it's it's pure gasoline yeah I've yeah. done cocaine. I have never had a monster energy drink. <laughs> we all have a line. And we all have lines. Just kidding. Okay. I don't touch that stuff Can't anymore, I, actually. Cocaine? No. I don't touch it anymore. What? Is there a story? Well, because I, one time I did it and I really thought I was going to die. Like, I, I was convinced. Um, and then I did it a couple times after that and I wasn't fun anymore because I had like PTSD from the time I thought I was going to die. I, so. I don't want to deny your experience, but I felt the exact same way leaving dessert parties. Like <laughs> there's times when I've left and been like, this, I thought I was going to die. Like dairy does not agree with most humans' bodies, but mm-hmm. mine's in specific. And the feeling of leaving was, I shouldn't do this again. I feel like I have a dessert party by myself every Friday night. <laughs> When I told, I've told this to people and they thought it was so, especially men who are in frats are like, that's hilarious that you guys stood around and ate snacks soberly. And I'm like, it is delightful. It's also kind of hilarious that we stand around and drink midwit juice, also known as, that's what, <laughs> okay, grandpa, Lorelai Gilmore calls beer. Nitwit juice? Nitwit juice. You know what? I, so do I. Beer is not for me as well. So I yeah. would agree. I That's mean, I like juice. nitwit juice, but it's just we stand around and we drink that and we throw balls into cups and then we drink the liquid that the ball that touched the dirty fucking frat floor. Yeah. It's just we could make so I, anything I, sound ridiculous. I have to add another... Mormon cultural layer onto that because beer pong is gross, right? Mormons do milk pong. Many a time was I at a social gathering where like the boys were doing milk pong because it's so hard to drink a lot of milk and people would regularly throw up, not unlike nitwit juice. It's another kind of nitwit juice. It's another kind of nitwit juice. It was so disgusting. And for me coming from, because I wasn't born and raised in Utah. I was born and raised in California. And so I actually had friends who played beer pong and was around it in high school. So I remember thinking this version was almost upsetting. I was like, you guys, we need to just... <laughs> that, I'm sorry, but that's fucking disgusting. disgusting. Because here's the thing. I actually am now remembering that one of my friends in college, when he was rushing a frat, they forced them all to drink a big milk like a gallon of milk which is I guess humanly impossible yeah you have to throw you have to throw up and it's just reminding me of that like what they would do that as well yeah just drink a white claw or I mean I kind of am like if 
if we're not going to be the beer ponging people, let's not be the milk ponging people. Let's, let's be just a... let's play settlers of Catan. <laughs> That's what everyone expects of us. Let's just embrace that. Glow in the dark parties. Leave it at that. Yep. So much fun. Let's just stick with that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Milk pong, Sadie. Yeah. No, it. I was. I felt the same. That's what would drive me out of the church. It was. It was pretty upsetting. I actually remember. I had one friend who was non-Mormon who went to BYU and lived in BYU housing. And we were really, I immediately bonded with him because I, again, grew up around so many non-Mormons. He wanted to come to BYU, to come to be in one of their programs, and then he wanted to have like a strong football culture. He thought it would be kind of wholesome and fun. Anyway, he got here and realized he's missing a little bit of some other types of culture, you know, the almost it swung too far in one direction. So he made friends with people who were practicing Mormon because you have to, if you're LDS and you go to BYU, you have to have certain numbers of church attendance on your record. So the school keeps track of your, it's called an ecclesiastical endorsement. You have to be proven that you are practicing to a degree to stay in good standing at the school if you Mm -hmm. come as a Mormon. So there's a handful of people who do that, who follow just enough to like get the ecclesiastical endorsement, but they secretly are living like another life. And so he was a bystander in this world. I got to go to a couple parties that were south of campus, if anyone's familiar with BYU. And you walk in and it's very normal. There's love sacks around, which is very like BYU loves a love sack. I love a love sack. I know know you do. And then there was like a stripper pole in the basement and a beer pong table in the garage and everything was like actual, actual nitwit juice. Actual stuff was happening. And I remember going in a stripper pole. Yeah. It was very secret though. So when I went in. Like a speakeasy. Yes. It was a very, it was a speakeasy. It's exactly what it is. That's honestly so hot. Kind of vetted me through my friend. Is this. Is she a narc? Yeah. Yeah. Are we cool here? And I was like, I am, but I am not convinced you guys go to BYU. I didn't believe it. I was like, you are risking it for the biscuit. Because if one person told, they could all be kicked out of school. Wow, that's honestly so exciting. So, But that's the culture around alcohol in Provo. That's not necessarily a Mormon thing. But if you're going to be drinking, it's almost like, well, then you got to have, it's very secret. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of layer some other stuff onto it. There's black lights around. and When things are (laughs) forbidden, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, wow. I didn't drink at these parties, by the way. So they—that's another reason they were kind of checking to be like. So I was prepared to have some cookies. I was prepared to do I'm a line of chips there. ahoy. It's like in Broad City when she snorts Chex Mix. <laughs> it's interesting because to me, hookup culture and alcohol are so intertwined, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I'm just trying to picture a life without both. Mm-hmm. And I can't because it defined my teenage and college years and my, my entire 20s. I remember there was one, I took one month off of drinking and I distinctly remember going to a bar during this time period and everyone I was with knew that I wasn't drinking mm-hmm. and I felt like I was being treated differently even though I can have just as much fun if I'm the only sober one. Like, I can be as flirty and carefree as I am when I'm drunk and when I'm sober. But the issue was that everyone knew I was sober. So no one was being, like, 
flirty and carefree with me, which was really an interesting realization. And I was like, wow, the power of even just holding a club soda in your hand. Yes. Yes. With no alcohol in it. So this is something I learned (laughs) as Mm -hmm. well. And like leaving the church and not wanting to drink in certain places and then realizing the power of just holding something. Yeah. So people would rather you have a full glass the whole night Mm-hmm. Then not hold anything. Yeah. Do you know how many times I've gone into a bar and thought, why don't you guys serve just regular kombucha? <laughs> the, oh, they should. I feel like they're going to start. They will. And I know alcoholic kombucha is having its moment, which makes me feel like I'm having my moment. Mm-hmm. But it's not like they have LaCroix back there. Again, <laughs> these are things I'd like to petition. How do Mormons feel about kombucha? I think it's, so kombucha became a phenomenon as I was exiting the church. I think it was accepted because it's mostly uh, herbal tea and it's lightly fermented to the point where it's not really alcoholic. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's kind of on that line where I think, um, depending on the type of tea, like I remember when I was practicing, I would buy only specific like fruity herbal tea, which we'll get into, not the ones that I could tell were from black tea. So you, let's get into it now because I'm, well, I'm also curious about your I want to get back into your uh, dating excursions and things with... We will. Okay. <laughs> First time. The, the tea rule is, um, again, very vague and very specific. I'll read it to you, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. d 89. Honey, if you know what that is, you know. Let's hear. I okay. certainly don't know what <laughs> that is. So basically, the revelation starts. It's like four... Joseph Smith and the first, like, saints, as they're called. Here's a promise God's giving to you to, like, make you stronger and kind of protect you um, in a certain way, right? Then he goes into condemn wine. Condemn wine? Yeah, so don't drink wine. Um, But then it says you can also have wine for sacrament as long as you make it yourself. So there's that. And then it says, so here's the big one. DNC 89, verse 7. And again... Strong drinks are not for the belly, but for the washing of your bodies. Oh, my. And that's pretty much where we end with that. So you can wash your body with nitwit juice? Yeah. (laughs) And then it goes in to say, tobacco is not for the body, neither for the belly, and it's not good for man, but is an herb for bruises and all sick cattle to be used with judgment and skill. So you can use tobacco medicinally, but not necessarily uh, for any type of other consumption. And then it says... Yeah, then we go into, and again, so we, after strong drinks are not for the belly, but for the washing of the bodies. So that's alcohol, basically. And again, hot drinks are not for the body or the belly. So hot drinks. And then it goes on. And again, there's a lot of and again, even though I feel like it was not mentioned before. And again, verily I say unto you, all wholesome herbs God hath ordained for the constitution, nature, and use of man. So no hot drinks, but yes to herbs. Wait, wait. I don't understand. So, like, you can't even have hot water with lemon, which is, like, really good for your body. Well, so in practice, you can. And again, you can. Huh? Exactly. It's a little, it's a little tricky. Sadie, These things have I'm been deeply confused here. <laughs> what are the rules? I, I don't know, Maddie. So like you're promised you... wisdom and great treasure of knowledge, <laughs> even hidden treasures. You shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Okay, so it's a riddle. This whole <laughs> it's a riddle to find a treasure and you find out when you die if you found it. Kind of. 
Yes. So, Sadie, what were what did you do? Like, what? So, how did you interpret that when you this, were growing up? This particular scripture I learned after I learned the Mormon ad- adaptation of it. So Which I learned what? the. Ooh, I'm reading this now. They just sent out an update to include green tea and vaping. Vaping? Hold on, let me see. Wait, to include it in the no-no? In the in in the word, I have to find out what it is. So you can't have green tea and coffee-based products. Oh yeah, so you can't have green tea. Why? What? Like why? Hold on, wait. Let me see if it's clarified. One second. One second. Let me just read this really quickly. Oh, I'm so perplexed. Hold on, wait. Oh my gosh, I have never read this. Hold on, let me just consume this really quickly. But also, did you not have coffee until you were like 24? What were the rules that you lived by when you were in the church? So I actually didn't really read this section until much later in life. You grow you grow up with knowing what the word of wisdom is through the modern adaptation. Which is what? Which is no alcoholic drinks, no drugs, no tobacco, no black tea, no coffee, meat sparingly. Okay, wait, hold on. But only hot? No, like no coffee at all. No iced or hot coffee. What's what's the logic? There isn't necessarily. There isn't necessarily. It's more like it's it's preached in the sense of with the promise that's given at the beginning and the end of the scripture. It's preached like these things were advanced for their time and we may not know the real meaning of them, but God's looking out for you. If you obey, you'll be protected. So the idea of tobacco, that it was forbidden so early, was kind of a testament to that because tobacco was forbidden. This came about in like 1840 or something like that when this revelation came. So the fact that tobacco wasn't, you know, Surgeon General warning until like 1970 or 80 or whatever that was, that was like a big thing for Mormons to think, well, we had, God gave that to us early and protected us early and we were saved from the health issues that come along with tobacco and alcohol obviously alcoholism and all those things that are clearly harmful and now you know connected to so much science of oh that's harmful for your body mormons before were like we were blessed with that so the fact that we don't understand black tea and coffee is not so much of an issue because people didn't understand tobacco and alcoholic drinks back in the day they thought that was just random right okay so you're kind of promised like if you obey i just like is coffee because in the original word of wisdom, mm-hmm. it just says hot drinks. Yeah, but that includes iced coffee. Mm-hmm. So I first had coffee in high school. A group of Mormon girls and I were all in, the, I think we all had the same first period because it was choir. <laughs> and <laughs> we would like go late to first period. <laughs> Don't judge me. I know you were in choir. You know I had a first period choir, too, that I slept through a lot. (laughs) Exactly. So we would go late to first period often and stop by Starbucks on the way. And usually hot... So as far as hot drinks, hot cocoa is okay. Hot cocoa is definitely okay. Sadie, why? I'm so perplexed. Why? I don't... I don't have an answer. All I know is it just is. And that... The apple cider is okay. I mean, that shit's delicious. It's so good. Do you Play know apple cider pong. Do you know that the recipe for it at yes. Starbucks is just apple, apple juice, juice with caramel in it? Yeah. 
I mean, listen, I'm going to stop asking why because there is no actual answer. It's just that this is what you're supposed to do and, and you'll be protected if you do it. And you'll be protected if you do it. So it doesn't include caffeine and sugar, things that um, the Mormon community actually really doesn't embrace in a huge way. But caffeine in what form, though? Diet Coke, specifically. I see. A lot of Diet Coke. You get, first of all, every Mormon knows. A lot of people know this, but it is definitely um, in the Mormon community. The best Diet Coke comes McDonald's. from... McDonald's. Yes, there you go. Patty, because... Patty Sharton, my mother, says it's the Ronald McDonald of it all. It... <laughs> <laughs> She's not wrong. Oh, I'm going to use that for things that you just can't... Je ne sais quoi. Instead of je ne sais quoi, it's the Ronald McDonald. Um, It's also because they refrigerate the syrup. So it's kind of a different process. But some people think they have their own special recipe from Coca-Cola. I wouldn't wouldn't put it past them. Love root beer because it's... Oh, that tastes like toothpaste. (laughs) What? Everyone looks at me weird when I say that, but next time you have it, it tastes about like it. toothpaste. Yeah, but in a delicious way, it tastes like a delicious minty so, treat. Root beer. So this, I have to kind of reverse a little bit. While caffeine is really embraced heavily, it was taboo and kind of misunderstood for a chunk of time. So up until like the mid '90s, caffeine was demonized within the culture so even on BYU campus you couldn't get that's you had caffeine free of all the sodas so it was caffeine free coke diet coke dr pepper all that stuff was all caffeine free and that's the only ones you could buy on campus and something that if you went to mormon parties growing up or anything that was like a youth gathering there was for sure soda there but it was a little scary when you went to the brown ones and i've read other articles about mormons being like being so scared of the brown sodas because you don't know which ones are safe so if you're at a pizza party or like your soccer team party mm-hmm. you'd look at the table and be like so which one's the root beer because i can't have any of the other ones you know <laughs> so so what about coffee sets it apart from caffeine is my question and black tea and green tea what sets that what makes those bad well remember caffeine wasn't mentioned just hot drinks and but it was so what about iced coffee no it was Apparently, modern-day prophets interpreted hot drinks meant tea and coffee in any form. Okay. So that's why when I, my friends and I would go to Starbucks and we'd get hot chocolate and whatever, we would also sometimes get a decaf white chocolate mocha. Have you ever had one of those? Yes, they're fucking delicious. Better than cocaine. So good. They're so good. I haven't had one in like 10 years. And we would get those, we would get decaf ones. And I think for a while, I thought, and I assumed the group, we were all like, no, this is this is within the bounds because we're avoiding caffeine. And again, we were that generation that was raised, like, don't touch caffeinated soda. Okay. And so, um, and then it was kind of in that time period of people drinking more Diet Coke and being more open about it and talking to their bishop. A lot of these questions people take to their bishop directly, to their dentist, excuse me. I, yeah, I'm just wondering, does, how does the dentist feel about everyone having so much sugar? I don't think they care about that. It's not like a it's not like a fitness health I just mean cuz he's a dentist. Good. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> I missed that and you're so <laughs> I can't believe they just let us get away with that. And a lot of bishops in their infinite wisdom 
would say, if you feel okay about it, then it's fine. Okay. Which is a very hard note to get when you have such random, specific, and vague rules. You're like, no, 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 no. Like, tell me yes or no (laughs) so that I can feel okay about it. That has since been cleared up. I just learned in pulling this up right now that they did clarify green tea and black tea are both bad and vaping is bad. I guess they had to update for vaping. (laughs) (laughs) Because white people, if they love anything, they love to vape. They love to vape. Mm -hmm. So fascinating. So we, I was then, when I learned that coffee in its decaffeinated form was still bad, whether it was iced or hot, I quit entirely. Cold and, turkey, baby. But you know when did you, you go through withdrawal? When you start with the white <laughs> chocolate mocha, it is hard to stop. So I thought about it a lot because I was like, that was liquid gold <laughs> to a teenage me. Wow. So it was really hard to not drink coffee. Um, and I coffee in quotes. In quotes, for that one. yeah, because it's really not. Good. <laughs> it's mostly <laughs> sugar, but uh myself along with a handful of people I know kind of made an exception for coffee flavored ice cream (laughs) which again I just learned they updated and said that counts as coffee so relax anything with hold on they they clarified you can't have coffee ice cream well technically no but I think for a while everyone was like oh wait this is like it's not coffee and it's it's fully frozen so it's not hot it's like certainly not hot (laughs) so drinks with names that include cafe Mocha, latte, espresso, or anything ending in chino usually have coffee in them and are against the word of wisdom. That's a quote. Yeah, the word of wisdom was like no java chip frappuccinos. (laughs) Absolutely not. If you think you can get away with that creme brulee frapp, you're (laughs) dead wrong. Picturing someone with like... Like chiseling it into stone. No <laughs> frappuccinos. I mean, that's enough to make a person go mad. It was something that I used at the time to kind of propel my faith because it was hard. So it was something that I kind of dug in deep with like a thought loop every time I rejected an offer for coffee or alcohol. Alcohol was really easy to reject, but coffee and sometimes soda, I was really forced myself not to have it and then would kind of dig in on the thought loop of like, this is good, you're being righteous, this is good, you're being righteous. I started drinking coffee when I was first kind of separating from the church because it was a long process and for real drinking coffee, sorry, I should say. And I was working on a TV show and we were pulling all-nighters. We were doing fratterdays, which I don't know if you know what that is, where you're, they call it a fratterday because your day starts at like, 2 p.m. on a Friday and goes until 4 a.m. on a Saturday or whatever. And so you basically lose both days. And uh, you're pulling all these long nights and then they would often bring coffee trucks to come to set to kind of keep everyone awake when you're standing around at three in the morning. So I started drinking coffee then because it was like a necessity. I was like, oh, I do need this caffeine. And then it kind of became nice i was like oh you can kind of just like have a boost in the afternoon of like a little bit of energy i don't mind it at all it's lovely also you can drown that shit in vanilla creamer and then everybody wins talk about (laughs) coffee in quotes yeah and so it took me a while to transition from that type of coffee into adult coffee where you Mm -hmm. really are like enjoying the roast of it all Mm -hmm. it's a journey to get there yeah 
but coming to alcohol, because I want to get into your alcohol stories, I have a journey with alcohol that is as leaving the church, kind of coming into it and really being confronted with, I want to be clear now, I actually don't drink soda now, unless it's like a very special occasion, like a nice Mexican Coke. Mm. But leaving the church, getting into alcohol, nothing was sweet enough, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Everything tasted like alcohol. And I remember thinking, oh, I'll have a spiked soda. And this is something that I want to pass this wisdom along to anyone who might be thinking about getting into drinking after leaving the church. Do not do that. You will resent everything because it does not taste like the soda. And then you can taste this like other poison in there. It's like nail polish remover dipped into one of your favorite drinks. And it's just ruined the whole Mm -hmm. thing. You really need to find a non-familiar flavor that is covered in sugar, like sangria. Oh, sure. Or honestly, Bailey's. Bailey's would be a great gateway booze. The key is to find the right Bev for you to transition into alcohol. I'm just thinking of the very first time I ever got drunk was with shots of Smirnoff lemon, I think. (laughs) The guy who poured me my first shot, this was in high school, is now sober. (laughs) But I remember taking a shot of lemon Smirnoff and being like, this is kind of good. Literally have no clue who that girl is because (laughs) vodka now makes me want to fucking barf. But that's probably because that's what we drank in high school. Yeah, that's what everyone drinks. Yeah. Um, But now it's like it's rubbing alcohol. Anyway, I'm all about the whiskey. But here's wait a second. Vodka's rubbing alcohol, but gin isn't. I love gin. How do you reconcile your cognitive know. dissonance that you're clearly yeah, doing? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's different. It's it's more of a pine tree than a rubbing alcohol. Interesting. I don't know. I like gin. It's weird. I like alcohol. <laughs> I don't know. During COVID, I haven't been drinking that much, which is Same. making me realize... Because I used to love drinking even alone like a glass of wine at the end of the day or like some whiskey at night like just alone yeah but there's there's a part of me that's not into it at the moment and I think a big part of it is that there's something about alcohol to me that's very like festive and flirty Mm -hmm. and it almost makes me feel I think because I feel so deprived of intimate sexual touch mm-hmm. it's almost like triggering to have alcohol just because, because you get all horned up and you got nowhere to go up sadie and i've got nowhere to go and it's making it harder for me to i think drink but i it, it's so intertwined it's wild i'm thinking about or we just need to get you like a really festive sex toy something that really screams celebration i guess but at a certain point and i i have a couple festive sex toys and i'm all about do they scream celebration (laughs) (laughs) that's a good point no no i don't think they do but i i'm all about taking care of oneself but at a certain point when it's been a long time it's just you know and because alcohol is so so social it's so social and i i'm thinking a lot too about in la in particular i know i mentioned this earlier you know the fact that hookup culture and drug and alcohol culture are so intertwined 
this is so LA specific, but the after parties where everyone's doing coke around the coffee table and everyone's sort of, you know, you're in a stranger's house and you're scanning the room for the hottie that you want to bone at like 4 a.m. when you're all ready to like call it a night. And I'm just thinking so many of my most eventful, exciting nights or days, like since I moved to LA, but also even in high school and college, I don't know if they would have happened without alcohol and or drugs, which is really interesting. And I don't, I'm, I don't want to put any like judgment on that. It might change now that I'm embarking on a new decade. I feel like so many of my biggest nights in LA have started with doing lines in a bathroom with a stranger, you know? Well, I think it could be for a couple reasons. I don't necessarily think drugs hold the key no, to no, like the most don't. memorable nights. But I do think it has this element of like naughtiness and perversion. Yeah. And totally. it's um something you do kind of you're like bonding with people. People are naturally like, well, it's honestly the same scale of like are we going to order dessert? And if you're at like a group of with a group of people wow. and one person is like, "No dessert for me." Your instinct is to be like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) You're not down. Yeah, we're all having dessert tonight. So I think there's like that feeling which probably does resonate with people raised LDS. But I think even people not LDS. But yeah, you're bonding. You know, if you're in the bathroom with someone, you get this moment of like, I even noticed I enjoy the occasional real cigarette. Mm-hmm. And it is truly, I have some moments with people, friends and non-friends. I had one of our mutual friends. One of the most amazing conversations because the two of us stepped outside to go be well, alone. Well, that's cigarette culture is really interesting too because that's a big part of why people become and stay smokers. Yeah. I also want to clarify, it's like a very sporadic thing and it's enjoyed very randomly. I've never felt the urge to continue smoking or have even a full one, but it's the same type of culture around cigarettes, even like doing shots, which I hate i hate when people are like oh we're all doing this do you want to do one i'm like no i never ever want to because it's so social it's boosting your confidence all my most exciting sex stories give in me general one have... give me one so i will <laughs> do you want to do a line what to get into it i i don't i told you i don't touch this stuff anymore <laughs> true but also one time i after i stopped touching the stuff porn phone Yes. We all know porn phone. If you don't know porn phone, listen to the porn episode. He asked if he could do coke off of my coochie. And I was like, okay, fine. And so he did. And not only was my coochie then numb and I couldn't experience pleasure Mm -hmm. afterwards, but also then I got a little high from it. Which was so annoying. I didn't know that was going to happen. But that, so anyway, that's another I'm thing to add to the porn phone. Drugs and yet in accidentally doing it. Yeah. Yes, there's the wrong place to do it from. But also remember, he's a he's a good guy. Oh, so, don't ever yeah. forget. He's a, yeah, he's he's a, a good guy. guy. Porn um, phone's a great guy. And real quick before I forget, this reminds me of my freshman year at BRU, Idaho. Girls would soak tampons and insert the tampons. Because is that you a get drunk. I don't think so. I, know, I think they were pretty aware, like, we're drinking. I don't okay, think it was like... Because I know that's, like, a thing that 
it was a fad for a while among the mainstream population too yeah I thought this was like one of the weirdest things I had ever heard of. And now, well, it is weird. Oh, wait, if you guys want to see us have <laughs> tampon, wait, no, 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 not insert them. But that experience, we're gonna stream it live, and everyone can get it for fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars. <laughs> Venmo. Venmo. Every we're gonna to start see. every episode. We're gonna start <laughs> plugging something. We're gonna stream live for money. It's gonna be great. This again is not the actual act of it, but you get to see us. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Fifteen. That's only pre and post. God, I'm really now in my feeling very nostalgic for bars and the after party, and I'm thinking of like locking eyes with someone at a bar. Some of my favorite one night stands or meetings of strangers has been like you just look up at the bar and you lock eyes with someone and then they just like come to you oh yeah well i'm thinking of one in particular where again here here it is again we were day drinking at lol the bungalow if you know we were day drinking at the bungalow all day and then we were bar hopping and it was it was nighttime it was 10 p.m you know We've been after a whole day of drinking and a lot of my friends had left and a couple of my, I I think this was a night that all of my friends ended up going home with somebody, which is rare and very festive and very fun. Love that. Only a couple friends were left and I was thinking, okay, it's almost time for me to call it a night. And I looked up and I locked eyes with this hot hot guy yep and give me some details on the guy because first of all if you're at the bungalow i already know what you're wearing you're in a romper continue (laughs) what is he wearing he i actually remember what he was wearing go home he's wearing just a long sleeve cotton shirt hot some jeans i think it's hard because we actually ended up hooking up for over a year wow but i he came he just i feel like i beckoned him with my eyes he walked over to me. We were talking. We started making out. We ended up bar hopping together. I took him home with me. We had sex eight times that night. Wait, actually eight? Literally. I feel anything over four is an abuse. He came every single time. He was younger than me. That's why. I wasn't even thinking of abuse of him. I'm thinking like... No, it was... I mean, I was walking like I had been riding a horse. Yeah. But it was a great horse Love it that. was so much fun and i miss that fucking miss that i'm tingling in the downstairs just thinking about it after a night of doing a lot of drugs and drinking a lot i ended up at an after party at the standard hotel and there were two guys staying in the, in the room and there were a bunch of us at this after party and slowly Everyone trickled out, and it was just me and this other friend of mine mm-hmm. who were clearly there because we were going to be hooking up with Attention. the two. The tension builds. Yeah, and the so oh, the two guys, the Multiple two guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all know the like cocaine-driven conversation. Like, I learned what his parents do for a living. I still remember to this day, mm-hmm. even though months and months later we ran into each other at a bar. And he didn't recognize me, and I pretended not to recognize him, even though I remember what his parents do for a fucking living. It's but the worst. we were in this hotel, and we'd go out to the balcony, we start hooking up, and I was full on giving him head on this balcony, street face, Sunset Boulevard, people walking by, wow. like hooting at us. It was a scene from Almost Famous in my mind. <laughs> then we go inside and we 
start boning while the other guy and my friend are in there like laughing at us because we just don't give a fuck and then the sun came up and I was like "Ooh, okay so everything's turned into a pumpkin and I call some of my friends who were there and I was like y'all I feel weird about what just happened and they were like come over and then we took Molly at 6 a.m. And then I had to go to work at 2 p.m. And I thought I had come down. And my coworker was like, um, she looked, she took one look at my eyes and she goes, did you roll last night? And I was like, oh my God, no, this I literally morning. rolled this morning. But I know that I don't touch the stuff anymore. I mean, I will probably still consume alcohol. But it is really interesting to think about how it relates to hookup culture because I love hooking up with strangers. And I love the excitement of those moments at the bar and the after party. And I just am really wondering what that's going to look like when I do that less, you know? It, it facilitates a lot of specific experiences. I think what's tricky is it can become... It's, they're like training wheels in a certain regard. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's all, you can have all these same experiences without substances oh of course you can yeah it just requires a lot more bravery a lot more vulnerability a lot more kind of like self-honesty being like this is what i want to do but there is an element of like what i brought up earlier about people know knowing that you're not drinking yeah or doing drugs and if you know, someone is buying you drinks and you're clearly not drinking them. It's just, it's it's an interesting thing to unpack, I think. Everyone wants to, they want to know you're in the same space of yeah. in, inhibition. Of course. For the shy person, it's everything. You're mm-hmm. like, I get to be a superhero mm-hmm. for a night. It depends on, yeah, like your range and like the type of experiences you want to mm-hmm. have. I've come into knowing more and more people doing in the Mormon community, psychedelics. Mm-hmm. And there's an element with like medicinal marijuana and medicinal therapeutic psychedelic use, um, like ketamine, mushrooms, even forms of Molly. It's in all these places. Sex went on Molly. So have you done that? Mm-hmm. Does, does it ruin your experience of sex after? Mm-mm. But it is really nice. Okay. Yeah. See, that's something I've I've heard and whatever I thought is interesting. But they're now, like, using Molly and all these things for, like, uh, different types of therapy. All sorts of things are now being specifically treated through psychedelics. And so because there's this medicinal element and legitimacy of the different research that's being done by these different agencies and universities and all that stuff, people are now more widely accepting of it. Mm-hmm. And because it's slightly spiritual what are called plant journeys, which I've done, but it's like you use, quote, plant medicine, non-synthetic forms of psychedelics. These are all over Utah to the point where I've seen it desensitize people's feelings of the use of substances. The help of the drug is now being noticed as valid. So I've seen families that I know who hold callings in their ward and are practicing, whole families practicing, have someone come over to their house and they drop molly essentially and do mushrooms and a little bit of ayahuasca like every three months Mm -hmm. and stay within the bounds of the church because they're considering it like a form of medicine and a form of treatment like so the church doesn't frown upon it they do 
but it is like kind of secret. I think people are now just seeing like, I feel really close to the spirit when I'm actually doing this. So, so much so that it feels like I'm in the, in the temple. Oh, so some substances are not taking you away from who you really are. Mm -hmm. They're helping you connect to it. Mm -hmm. And like, it's the same thing with alcohol to a degree. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of healthy and cathartic, you know. To a certain extent. Yes, I was going to say. And also excluding, obviously, addiction and things like that. Right. And for some people, I I don't think it's healthy or cathartic, but I think for some people it is. I'm also thinking about like, because I worked in the restaurant industry for a while, most of the people that I've hooked up with, I guess, over the past 10 years have worked in the restaurant industry and therefore have had an abusive relationship with substances. Because that's a trend. And they all have whiskey dick. They all have fucking whiskey dick. Maddie, this is a nightmare. I don't like that. <laughs> I know. It's a thing. Well, I mean, the restaurant industry does like lend itself to night culture. Yeah. You get it. But anyway, yeah, I think drugs can be good. Drugs can be bad. Alcohol can be good. Alcohol can be bad. Green tea to me is always good, but that's <laughs> a personal thing. We love a white chocolate mocha. This is what, I think we've definitely touched on this before, and I think a lot of spirituality touches on this, and that's why it's fascinating that I think even the church has kind of said this. It comes down to your personal choice what feels okay for you there's some stuff the church has said explicitly like Like, yeah maybe don't do that and the same thing with society they're like listen don't dabble in math 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 (laughs) don't dabble in math well that's a personal choice for me yeah (laughs) it is it just is interesting to think about the ways in which all of this is connected to sex too because in and out of the church because yeah. in the church you can't engage in with these substances you also can't have sex till you're married yeah. and outside of the church like i've said a million times in this episode so i i've rarely had a sober hookup yeah it's just interesting to think about a world in which one exists without the other but that world does exist i just don't know it I think I've only had a few alcohol-induced sexual encounters. I think most of mine have been sober. I gen- generally am more comfortable sober, and that's why it's been hard, mm. because I thought when I was in the church, I would stand up for people who drank, because I had friends who drank and were, I considered great people and everything. And so mm. when I had friends who, in the church, would say, "Ugh, well, they drink alcohol, they're annoying or less or whatever I would speak up and say hey that's their choice and and now that I've been out of the church I have so many people who when I say I don't want to drink shame me like I'm ruining the whole event and it bothers me because I'm like I stood up for you you're peer pressuring me and I don't want to drink yeah so I've been problem too let me live Mm mm-hmm that's the moral of this episode let me live also the moral of the episode is to do mushrooms whenever and however you can (laughs) but it's a personal choice it's a personal choice but really really you should if it's ever come across your path i think jesus did mushrooms probably whether he meant to or not (laughs) is that what saving the baby oh let's get into the segment this week's episode (laughs) the segment is wreck me maddie and sadie would baby it (laughs) 
because if I don't know if you remember, but it's the idea of like Reckney Maddie is like things Maddie would but like things Maddie would get wrecked by in a in a great way. And things Sadie would baby is because I'm uh, slightly overbearing, nurturing at times. So <laughs> the thing I would baby is definitely mushrooms in any form. Creamy meat, portobello. Oh, chaga. Oh, uh, chaga. Yeah, all those. But mm-hmm. specifically psychedelic ones in any form. I can't say it enough. Mm-hmm. I feel like you should try mushrooms in any form. Mm-hmm. Small, small, small. Big, big, big. Sadie would baby it. Sadie would baby it. Small or big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what would Maddie get wrecked by? What would Maddie get wrecked by? Oh, I'm just like thinking of my favorite bar. That's walking distance from the house. Yeah. And when I walk in, mm-hmm. they just put a whiskey on the rocks on the bar oh. for me. And I, like, literally wreck me. Nice. Wreck me for that again. You're going to get that. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's happening. Mm. Also, those bartenders at the bar you're thinking of, hot. They are hot. I want to get wrecked by that. Yeah. And them. I would like yeah. for them to wreck oh, me. Oh, Maddie. And with alcohol. Who knows what's possible? (laughs) Wreck me, Maddie. If you, I don't know if I plugged this already. If you want to see us go to the bungalow, (laughs) it's only $15 a person. You can find them on my personal. It's at Sadie-Bosucci. I think we should get an OnlyFans. Well, you know I'm trying to. I am trying to get an OnlyFans. If you would pay for my OnlyFans, send us a DM. Listen. I want an OnlyFans. If you want... To have sex with me. Just DM me. I probably also want to have sex with you. If you need to take a shot before you send the DM, do it, honey. Let her know. I'm ready to be What would you? And that's our show. (laughs) Uh, Refreshments will be served in the cultural hall. Now go touch yourselves. And also tell me if you want to touch me. DM DM Maddie with your requests. Also, if in case you missed it, it's at Sadie-Blasucci on Venmo. The Missionary Podcast is hosted by Sadie Blasucci and Produced by Shannon Egan. Original music by Madeline Sharton. Please like, follow, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Missionary Podcast or visit our website, missionarypodcast.org. That's right, we're an org. <laughs>